Good evening, and welcome to a Final Four edition of the JV Sports Blog Podcast. I'm Todd. I'm joined, as always, by my buddy Rob. What's up, Rob? Good evening, everyone. Good evening, everybody. Uh, Rob and I, like a lot of Caps fans, are nervously recording this on Wednesday evening. Um, we are going to be short and sweet for obvious reasons tonight. Um, we, Rob and I are very distracted, so we decided we needed to have our what's not a guest, but really our third co-host of the show, uh, Bennett Conlon, join us tonight. How you doing, Bennett? I'm good. How are you guys doing? <laughs> We're great. Good. And good. Recent you. JMU graduate, Bennett Conlon. We, we got to say good. congratulations. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Um, we're glad to have Bennett on board. We'll try to keep him in the loop as long as we can, um, as long as we keep doing this podcast for sure. So um, we are, as always, brought to you by Pale Fire Brewing in Harrisonburg, Virginia. You can go by the tap room down there in the Berg. Nice summer day. Sit out on the porch, mention the Sports Blog podcast, and you will get a free Pale Fire pint glass. You can also pick up Pale Fire beers pretty much anywhere in the D.C. area now. Um, definitely. So feel free to ask around about it at your local bottle shop or bar. Um, Certainly looking forward to getting to the Berg in a couple of weeks for the alumni conference myself. So we are going to be pretty, um, pretty quick tonight. We're going to talk uh, just a, very briefly. We're going to wrap up kind of softball and baseball. And then we're obviously going to what we're really going to talk about is lacrosse tonight. Um, we talk a little bit about the team itself, uh, maybe what Bennett thinks. I don't know, kind of a perspective of a student who when all the students have gone home, whether anyone's paying attention and um, maybe where this ranks in the last, in this real, you know, highlight decade of JMU sports, the last 10 years or so, where this run ranks. Um, couple notes. Out, outside uh, of football. Let's keep it outside. Yeah. Football, outside. not to put it on too high a pedestal. Uh, right. But, you know, when you talk national championships, when you talk, you know, the 3,000-pound the gorilla, we always need to eliminate that from the conversation. Not a slight towards lacrosse, but um, as much as we are excited about this, we're not going to claim that it's getting anywhere near the attention from the JMU community that – a Frisco trip would. So <laughs> right. it's kind of, it's, it's in the, the other category, which to me would absolutely include basketball and women's basketball yeah. and soccer and all the other sports, but football kind of stands alone. And it does, I think. And most people. Yep. And uh, two quick notes. Uh, one from women's tennis. Just wanted to send a special congratulations out to JMU freshman, Liz Norman, who this week was named the, uh, to the all Atlantic region rookie of the year team. So I don't know exactly what that means from the Intercollegiate Tennis Association, but we have never talked about JMU tennis, I don't think, on this podcast. And I just wanted to mention that tonight. Um, and secondly, next week, after the Final Four is over, and who knows what that holds for JMU, um, Rob and I may have a special guest on next week. We certainly, um, if things go the way we all hope we, they do up on Long Island this weekend, uh, we will be really excited to join you next week, potentially with a special guest. So first, um, first thing we want to talk about, I guess, is softball. Rob, um, I don't know what you think, but I just wanted to kind of say, you know, congratulations to softball and sort of see where you thought this season ended up in terms of uh, whether it met our expectations or somewhere below or above that. So what did you think? I don't know. But I'm most curious to hear Bennett's perspective as somebody who was a little closer to the team than we were, but from my perspective as an alum who kind of follows the, the team from afar, uh, it actually exceeded my expectation. Mm -hmm. With Mickey leaving and then kind of the, the one-two hitter of Megan Good going down for the year, I didn't know what to expect. I thought there'd be somewhat of a drop-off. Um, I guess there was, not winning the CAA championship, but they still won you know, over 40 games. 
um, you know, made it into the tournament, went on the road against an SEC team, which is what virtually every non-SEC team does yeah. come tournament time. Um, but they certainly played well. Uh, could have got, got some breaks or kept some balls in the ballpark, and it would have been a different story. But overall, you don't want to set the bar too low with this team. But this was more of a transition year for me as a fan. I thought, you know, see what they can do. Maybe they'll, they'll win the CAA. They won the regular season, lost the tournament. And then maybe they'll make some more noise. But um, I found exceeding expectations. You know, they were losing two really big pieces in, in Mickey Dean and Megan Good and um, had a lot of young players. They stepped up. and I was pleased, but I'm really excited about next year yeah. and this team's potential. So, Bennett, what's your take? You, were, you, you actually followed this team. You, yeah. you wrote a lot about them, and you were there on campus. Are you in, in agreement with me? Do you think I'm crazy? Do you think they should have gone further? No, no. I think you're definitely spot on. For me personally, I kind of wrote them off once you heard about the Megan Good injury just because it's so hard to lose like one of the best players in college softball and then do anything because they rely on her so heavily both as a batter and a hitter or a pitcher, excuse me. There are so few players in the country that do both as well as she does. So to have that is huge. Mm-hmm. And to lose it and to lose your coach just kind of seemed like like, nothing was really going their way. So to have the season they had with, you know, 40-plus wins, a pretty good showing in the regional, even though they ended up losing to Ohio, which is obviously disappointing. Um, yeah, I thought it was a really a solid season and huge to build on for next year, especially the young players that, that now have experience that they maybe wouldn't have gotten if Megan was in that role, especially like uh, Peyton Burrish in the circle. So I think they gained a lot of experience and should be, should be loaded next year. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to that run. Yeah, and, and Laporte's going to come back, I assume. She, in my eyes, she certainly did enough to earn that she to earn yeah. the job. I would hope so. Yeah, <laughs> I thought she had a great year. I know they talk about like the national search and all that stuff, but when somebody's right under your nose, you don't have to travel the country. You can just stay in Harrisonburg and keep her in town. I think. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I mean, it, and and they did lose to Ohio, but they also won a game over Ohio in the tournament. So they right. won a game in the tournament, um, as we saw in softball. I think that all 16 teams that were the seeded host teams advanced to this weekend's Super Regionals. So right. it's obviously just a huge, huge, you know, the, it's really tilted in your favor if you get to play at home. Um, so all of those SEC teams, all of those Pac-12 teams are the only ones left really this weekend. I mean, I, I think I looked through the bracket and there wasn't a single kind of JMU or, you know, mid-major type team left in the tournament. So, now Hofstra lost in a dagger, you know, walk off homer mm-hmm. uh, down there. They were in the South Carolina region. Yeah, they were. Yeah, um, and particularly again, not to harp on it or make excuses, but of these sixteen teams remaining, probably not a lot of them had a player of the year candidate go down before the season. No. Um, softball is not like baseball; you can ride one arm to to the College World Series. Yeah, and you know, and I, I think, think like Bennett said about Peyton getting the experience, and then Odyssey Alexander, obviously you know, pitching great all year, but both of those players wouldn't have had the kind of the workload on their arms had Megan Good been there. And, you know, they gave up a lot of long balls in the tournament and kind of late in the season. And you wonder, you know, it's, it's the sky's the limit when Megan is the horse next year again, hopefully. Uh, It was certainly great to see her in the dugout cheering on the team this weekend, you know, in the tournament. And, to think about those arms being the kind of arms that are either your secondary starters or just coming off the bench when you need a big strikeout from a pitcher like Alexander is a big, big difference from kind of having to ride them all year. 
So yeah, that's definitely the silver lining. Get yeah. that experience and having them come in next year, ready to see what it's, they've pitched big games. They've been in big moments. Um, they're going to be relied upon. So it kind of was a blessing in disguise. You, you mm-hmm. hate to wash away the season. You, know, you like to think what this team had, the potential this team had with Megan Good, but realistically with a young team, I don't think they were necessarily a national title contender even right. with Good. But next year, I think they could certainly be in that. You know, I think if they didn't play into the second weekend next year, it would be a disappointment. And beyond that, I think they have the potential maybe to make a lacrosse-like run. Mm-hmm. And one thing we talked about on the blog this week, uh, kind of wrapping up last weekend, on another sport is the baseball team, which is, uh, did not make the CAA tournament uh, again. But they did have their best record in seven years. They did make it back to 500 at the end of the season. And that's pretty exciting in terms of second year with the new coaching staff. And it's, it seems to us, Bennett, I don't know if you have any more thoughts on this, but it seems to us like at least they're trending in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of, it kind of seems record wise, like they've been on a treadmill for a while the last few years, but I think they're, they're moving in the right direction. I definitely like what Eikenberry's doing. It's just a matter of kind of piecing things together. It seems like some years they really have the hitting and then the pitching's not there. And it just seems like getting those two things figured out is going to be huge for them. They've been close. They have so many strong starts or they, go through these stretches where they're 10 and one, then the next <laughs> month they, they struggle and go like one and 10 or something. So it's just a matter of kind of being more consistent, which would be nice to see. Cause I think everybody wants to see softball succeeding, but it'd be really cool if you had baseball and softball, both playing at really high yeah, level. You bet it would. Yeah. I mean, yeah and I think this year, um, Spanky had a lot of good years, but in the end he was kind of running on fumes and correct yeah. me if I'm wrong, but I think this last senior class who did great, you know, they played terrific this year. They were, they're Dukes through and through, and we're proud of them. But I think they were the last of Spanky's recruits. So next year it's going to be all Eikenberry's guys uh, on the roster. And that's not that these seniors weren't good. They definitely contributed. But there's something about having, you know, the entire roster be, be your guys, guys you handpicked. Um, I think it puts a spotlight on them a little bit. I think the is, is it his fourth year next year or third year? Mm, I don't know. One or the other. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. But, I mean, we're, we're going the right direction. And I think he's definitely built yeah, up the staff. The, the pitching has been much better. Um, I think next year you certainly – I think the goal would be to make the CAA tournament. And I think, like you said, they close strong and are trending in the right direction. So I think things are looking up with baseball. Yeah, that's great to hear. And with that, I mean, we got to talk about lacrosse tonight. That's really what we got. You know, I can't believe we're doing this. This is our, what, fourth – it feels like fourth lacrosse-centric show in this spring season. And uh, that is certainly something that was unexpected for Rob and I. Um, but – what a performance. Uh, lacrosse has, as you know, was seeded third overall in the nation in the NCAA tournament. They have won their first two games at home over the hated Wahoos. And then this past weekend over the Florida Gators, they started this weekend fairly slow as they did against UVA and really turned it up. I think the conditioning of this team, I'm sure that they would all say they owe a lot to the coaching staff, to the strength and conditioning staff, a couple hot weekends, the last two Saturdays. And they really found another gear later in these games. Um, the halftime adjustments both weeks from Coach Shelley seem to be, you know, we don't know the sport very well, but it sure, it's sure been amazing to watch them kind of crank it up after halftime both weeks. And um, this is really exciting. I mean, in any sport for JMU to be going to a Final Four is fantastic news. Um, in this tournament this year, all four of the top four seeds advanced to this weekend's Final Four. Um, unfortunately for our CAA football brethren, Hoff, uh, Stony Brook, who was seeded fifth after being number one for a large portion of the season, 
Um, they did lose a tight game in overtime to Boston College, the four seed this weekend, which would have uh, – Rob and I have kind of gone back and forth on the Final Four is being hosted at Stony Brook this weekend. So out on Long Island. Um, and obviously the crowd would have been probably significantly larger had Stony Brook made this weekend. But I think there's a good argument to be made for all the other teams that that's not the worst thing, that they're not there. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah um, you know, incredible performances this weekend. Uh, one, you know, Kristen Gaudian, Elena Romsberg were by far and away in the second half the best players on the field. Um, most of the JMU big names, Haley Warden, Hannah Haven, showed up. Um, but a couple underrated players I just wanted to mention off the top. Uh, the goalie, Molly Darkey, uh, is a freshman. And really early in this game, JMU could not generate offense. And between the goalkeeping and the defense, they hung in there. I mean, they were down 2 nothing early, but it was, it was a long period where they did not score, I think, the first, you know, seven, eight, nine minutes. And big credit to the defense uh, for keeping JMU in the game and giving them the opportunity later in the game. And then the other one, this is really a Coach Shelley pick. She told us before the season about the freshmen, uh, Charlotte Haggerty and Katie Chikoski. And – Charlotte Haggerty was the one who kind of broke the ice for the Dukes this weekend, came in and scored the first goal and seemed to really calm the team down once they got that first goal after some of the big names had struggled to get on the scoreboard. So, you know, huge credit to the recruiting there. I, I love this team. I think for all of us Nova kids, um, it's kind of funny that the best players seem to be from Lake Braddock and Robinson, the yeah. a- a- ancient rivals in Northern Virginia, right? Yeah. Um, but they seem to be finding common ground here. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, JMU is playing North Carolina this Friday night at five o'clock. Uh, the game is available on ESPN three and it's, they are the first game of the semifinals. They'll be followed by the number one seeded Maryland Terrapins and Boston college in the second game. Maryland has played North Carolina. They started the season with a double overtime victory over the Tar Heels. They have played Maryland. That was the only loss of the season. Uh, three-goal setback um, kind of mid-season at Maryland. So I, I don't know about you guys, but I just – the thing I found really exciting this week was listening to some of the press conferences was Coach seemed to be really – she seemed really confident and seemed to really think that JMU might be a much better team than they were when they played North Carolina early in the season. Yeah, what, what struck me is she said that she's gotten that confidence from the team. She may, she may mention on one of the interviews I saw or read, she was talking about how in the beginning of the season, she was very confident going in, as, as we heard, Todd, when we talked to her. Mm-hmm. She mentioned that she thought they had a lot of talent, a lot of potential. Um, but then as the team got better, she said they got so confident. Now it's come right back to her, and it's just made her even more confident. So it's like <laughs> a positive cycle feeding on each other. And even as a novice fan, like when you watch this team, there's no pucker factor. They don't seem like the moment is ever too big for them. Mm-hmm. And we've seen them win, you know, the overtime games and – Clearly, you've got, like, Guardian who can step up in Romsburg. I was really impressed with Haley Warden in the second half. You know, when it, it looked like it was going to get close a couple times and just, you know, just force turnovers or um, the team coming up with big draw controls. They don't seem worried. Um, I don't know. And, and that's evident even as somebody like me who doesn't know that much about the game, who's just excited to be watching and taking it on. There's a definite difference. This is not a team that appears to be scared. Um, they answered every run that Florida had. They made big plays when they needed to. It's, it just looks like a well-coached, and like Coach Shelley said, an extremely confident team. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not worried at all about them coming out and getting off to a slow start or getting behind. And even if they do, 
it doesn't seem like it will phase them. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe this is just me comparing them to my experience as a Caps fan <laughs> for every game. I'm worried, like, is this going to be, you know, like Monday night where it's fantastic or are they going to come out and be slow? I don't have that concern. Maybe it's my own ignorance where I, maybe I'm just not <laughs> able to tell the difference. But I mean, do you agree with me? I mean, they don't look like they get caught up in it. They just look like they go out there and they play and they try hard and are confident things are going to take care of themselves. Yeah, Better, yeah, I don't know what you think about that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's such a such a good team. They have so many weapons. You mentioned like Haley Ward. And she doesn't seem like she'll maybe be the most athletic or the best player out there. And then she she gets in traffic, makes a spin move, and then like three girls are on their back. And I'm yeah. like, oh my <laughs> So I mean it's just insane like what they can do. And then you get Romesburg who gets the ball like in the defensive end and then her her legs look like they're gonna put the field on fire, how fast she just sprints all the way across. <laughs> They just look absolutely insane, and they—I mean—they looked so strong in the second half against Florida. The confidence they have, I think they'll have a pretty good shot. I mean, obviously yeah. the other three teams are really talented as well, but it should be a really, really fun yeah. Weekend. And uh, yeah, one player we didn't even mention was Katie Kerrigan, who, while we're on the hockey comparisons, right. is very much the kind of Nick Backstrom of this team. You know, um, is usually the setup person, but she just decided at one point in the second half, I think when it, it was either tied or the Dukes were up one. You know, she just decided, no, I, I think I'm going to score now. And just immediately, you know, beat her player and scored an easy goal. And, uh, yeah, they just, there's so much depth on this team. And I, it's hard to say, and look, watching this game, as Rob and I have talked about while watching these games, in the women's game, it seems like almost anything you do is a foul of some kind, except for just stand, <laughs> standing in front of the player. Um, and But that also, you know, it, it sets up a position uh, – or it sets it up to where you can really, if you only have one or two players, you can move two or three players towards them and, and sort of yeah, stop can, them, right? You can face guard. You can just eliminate, like, yeah. the, the, whatever the equivalent of a box and one is. You hear about yeah. that happening. Yeah. Um, there's, a, there's a girl in Maryland who scored, like, I want to say she's played, like, 87 games, <laughs> and she scored in 86 of them in her college career. <laughs> and, and the one game, they just completely face guarded her and just took her out. And she just kind of took the edge of like, I don't care. I'm just, I'll just facilitate. Yep. But you can you can focus to that to that degree and just try to eliminate somebody. I don't know. It's it's fun to watch. I'm really enjoying it. What I want to talk to you guys about, or what I want to get your take, is where do you think this stacks up in terms of non football moments at JMU going back, let's say to, I don't know, like five, ten years, just we can loosely do it. Like to me, it's every bit as big as the twenty thirteen uh men's basketball NCAA tournament run where they were they willing to see a championship. I think it's certainly on that level, maybe even above that for the school. Yeah. I, I mean, for, for me, I, I don't mean to jump in front of you, Bennett, but I, yeah, I mean, I think you have to look at a couple of the Kenny Brooks teams in women's basketball that obviously we had real high hopes on, um, had some great, great years. And you had to look at, um, I was trying to think of anybody else who's, made a big run. I mean, the softball team who went, you know, hosted the super regional against LSU is probably the one that comes to mind for me where probably that team, that softball team from what is it about three years ago, the last Jalen Ford team when Megan good was a freshman. Um, yeah, that team and this team, I, I mean, I, I guess the difference for me, I would put this, I know we have some recency bias here, but I think this is right at the top because other than that softball team, you know, the men's and women's basketball runs, you know, they were great and a lot of fun as a fan, but I didn't have any sense that they were going to win the national, that they were any kind of a threat, 
to well, even if the national championship is not your goal, even just, you know, I mean, the men's and women's team, the goal is probably the Sweet 16 would be the dream scenario, and, right? And and to be honest, to call either either team to, to say that either one had a run in the real tournament is really stretching. It. Exactly, exactly. You I know, mean, I mean, the the women made a run to the NIT final or final four. That's great, but I mean, this is the national championship final four. This to me, this is much bigger. It is. They're twenty and one with one loss to the number one team in the nation, and they're in the final four. And there is not, I mean, much like football the last two years, th- at this point in the season, it would not in any way surprise Dukes fans if the Dukes win the whole thing. Um, and, and that is, I mean, that's incredible. To, to me, this yeah. is right at the top in the last 10 years outside of the football national championship. This is right behind that. I mean, this is the 1B to that in, in terms of accomplishments for any JMU team the last 10 years. Yeah, Ben, anything stand out to you as a student? You probably are maybe a little aware. Of, like, I think, I think soccer might have beaten North Carolina maybe your freshman or sophomore year when they were number one. But that was a regular season game. Like, right. I can't think of a single victory that would stack up against last weekend's win that got JMU into the Final Four. Yeah, no, I think this definitely has to be close to number one, especially recently, because you've obviously got the two football national championships. But outside of that, you've got the, the field hockey championships, I think it was in, like, 94 – so other than that, there haven't been any other national championships, I believe. So it's been almost 25 years since a non-football national championship. Mm-hmm. And to be two games away is, is really huge. I think it's also important to rank it based on, like, the national level, like you guys mentioned, how competitive they are nationally. Because obviously, like, that men's basketball team getting blown out. Well, they did get the <laughs> play-in game victory. That's, that's right. That's right. Long yeah. Long by Indiana. Yeah. Not as exciting as making a run at a national championship, I think. So this is definitely right up there. And the other thing you got to factor in is as much as I was actually on campus as a student when they won the field hockey national championship, um, it was exciting, but it wasn't the same sort of thing. I know lacrosse isn't drawing thousands, but there were like nearly 900 people there last weekend with school not in session. That's a big deal. And these games are nationally televised. Yeah. You know, the the lacrosse or field hockey. I think we found out about it via probably the, br- the breeze. You know, right. There was no internet or anything. Um, and that was great. Whereas, like, there's people tuning in coast to coast to watch this uh, on Friday and then the rest of the Final Four. So, um, I don't know. I-, I think it's right up there. And as much as I love college basketball and I would love to see Jamie make a deep run in the tournament, until they do, um, winning a CAA title is great. But I don't – you can make a real argument that even in a quote-unquote, you know, Olympic or, or minor sport, a Final Four is – just as impressive and just as exciting yeah and for me i I just keep thinking too like like you said rob i mean men's women's basketball even softball to a certain extent now next year's uh you know if megan good is back fully healthy that's obviously an anomaly um in terms of i think jamie will probably be a top 15 team to start the season if she looks healthy but there's not this sense in the other i mean the one thing i have a sense with this lacrosse team is this is sustainable like this is buildable you know, um, I, I don't know in men's and women's basketball. I mean, look at even VCU and George, I mean, look at George Mason, right? They went to the Final yeah. Four, and 10 years later, they're back to where they were, basically. Um, I mean, you can argue that they're in a better conference or whatever, but it's not like overnight, JMU. I mean, even if JMU women's basketball made it to the Elite Eight, it's not like the expectation the next year is going to be that they'll get the recruits that will allow them to get back to that state, you know, that place in the next two or three years. Whereas this team feels like they could really be building a program here. Um, yeah. I think next year they're, you know, they're losing a lot of seniors. Mm-hmm. So I don't, 
think anybody's going to expect them to be back. But I do think this has opened fans' eyes to be like, you know what, this is a team that, that could compete for a national championship this weekend and maybe, you know, on, on a semi-regular basis. Like, people don't think that it's going to take as long to get back as it did this time. Right. And I think, you know, yeah, it's that idea, too. JMU is kind of located in a place that they certainly – the student body comes from the lacrosse hotbed of this country, right? It comes yeah. from the Mid-Atlantic. It comes from New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania. But it's – I mean, I, I just think it's an easy sell as a recruiter. It is You can come to a southern school. You can have big football. You can have all this fun. But you also aren't that far away, you know. Yeah. And the other sports, it's like selling a basketball recruit on coming to Harrisonburg is always going to be a tough proposition. And mm-hmm. to me, it just seems like this is a really hopeful period for JMU. And yeah, I mean, they lose these, this kind of big group of seniors this year, but within the next two or three years, I could see them being right back here again. So. Yeah. Well, this is, this is the school's second final four. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is not like completely out of the ordinary or this isn't any sort of Cinderella run. So I think you're right. I think this, you know, eventually I get, if it's not this weekend, I, this might sound silly, but I think it's a matter of when, not if with, with this program. You know, I yeah. think there's every bit of potential. I think you've got Coach Shelley who lives and breathes Jane Wu. <laughs> yeah. uh, didn't she reveal that she decided as a sophomore when she was playing that she wanted to come back and eventually be the coach? So, like, <laughs> she, she, she's in it for the long haul. She's tremendously successful. She's, you know, a fun person, a great recruiter. I, like I said, it's, it's, you know, when, not if with this program. Mm-hmm. Bennett, I want to surprise you with one non, non-lacrosse question here. See if you had any thoughts on this. Um, yes. Is there anything this summer in the offseason, as you become an alum, you're, or you are an alum now, and won't be returning to campus, but on the athletics front, is there anything in particular that you're really looking forward to headed to, the, headed to next year's JMU athletic calendar year? That's a good you know, question. Um, the, the softball team's definitely mm-hmm. won, especially when Megan Good gets healthy. That'll be interesting. Um, of course, football, mm-hmm. obviously, every year. But then I think I'm also really, really interested to see how the men's basketball team does in Rose third year. Because I kind of feel like it's a, it's a big year for them where they, they've shown that promise, but there comes a point where you need to start putting up wins. And I think that this might be that year. So I'm really excited to see if they're able to do that. That's good to hear. I think you're right on par probably with what Rob and I were thinking. Um, and I don't know, Rob, you got anything else tonight? No, just um... – Ready to go watch the Caps win, hopefully. Um, yeah. I, a couple quick – uh, is that, Rob? No, I, I went on the way home, stopped by the bottle shop, got my nice my, – a nice big uh, Belgian ale that I will be hopefully toasting <laughs> as a victory beer or, um, I don't know, the alternative in a couple hours. Yeah, Rob got to go to game six the other night. Um, could, we, we, we did not find a way to send him to Tampa tonight. But, no. <laughs> but hopefully the same <laughs> result. Um a couple notes. Uh, one last lacrosse thing. There's a really cool long interview with Andy Katz um, and Kristen Gaudian this week that if you look up Andy Katz on Twitter, or Facebook or whatever, um, that's kind of cool. I mean, to have a national reporter, you know, who covers a lot of different college stuff, uh, interviewing a JMU player and, and not, you know, this wasn't like a 30 second hit. It's like an eight or nine minute interview. So that's really um, cool thing. If anybody wants to watch that, getting excited for this Friday's game and hopefully Sunday's game. Um, and then next week, Rob and I will definitely talk. We'll be back to talking football. Um, JMU, we found out this week, got a transfer from the national champions. 
the, the, the <laughs> fake fake national champions. Yeah. Yes, the uh, UCF Golden Knights, I think, or whatever. Um, yeah. So JMU got a transfer running back this week. Uh, he's he has three years of eligibility left. So don't get too hyped about it. It, it does appear to actually be kind of layering JMU's classes. If, if you want to get deep in the recruiting nerd talk there. Yeah, um, but I, chat, <laughs> chatting with Houston last night at the Duke Club, he said it's absolutely for, for years out, and he's going to be great with him and Percy uh, in future years. But mm-hmm. he said he's absolutely going to contribute this fall. The guy's a player. Uh, they've now got, what, what five options, it sounds <laughs> yeah, like. Say, a whole hell of a lot of backs. Yep. Yeah, and uh, the four returning guys each went over 100 yards in, in at least one game last year. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a deadly attack. Uh, it should be should be pretty fun. Yeah, they, Houston was Houston was really high on the team. He he told me and Evangelista and Partlow last night that he thinks the defensive line is going to be better than next year than last year's, which is almost mm. hard to believe, but fun to think about. Yeah, it's a scary proposition for the other FCS opponents we will play. Yeah, and with another uh, transfer coming on the defensive side of the ball, I don't know if it's official yet. We'll wait till that's uh, but. Duke's going to be very tough to pass against as well. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So, Bennett, thank you as always. Um, you are a great friend, and we are glad to have you as our uh, third host of the podcast anytime. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm yep. the Caps pull out a win for your, your mental sanity. <laughs> yes. 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 <laughs> so, and for Justin Newsy from the Duke Club and, and all the other Caps nuts out there, um, yeah, let's go Caps. So, uh, we will be back with you next week. And we will be hoping to celebrate a national championship. It's almost hard. I mean, it's stunning to even say. But who knows? We could be celebrating a national championship at James Madison next week. Could even be doing it with a very special guest. So thank you, everybody. Rob and Bennett, thank you all. Go Dukes. See you.